0: Welcome to Antimatter a Star Trek podcast where we discuss fashion, feminism, subtext, and subspace hosted by Annika and Liz. This is our third episode in a three-part trilogy dedicated to Kai, Winandami. And this week, we're looking at the final weeks of her life. Heads up, this episode carries a warning for discussion of rape and intimate partner violence.
1: Because that's what we want in a Star Trek i'm so distraught yeah you know some storylines are just so awful you just kind of go what what i threw in some hotlines if you're in australia and you're dealing with intimate partner violence you can call 1-800-RESPECT which is 1-800-737-732 in the US, you can call the National Domestic Violence Hotline on 1-800-799-7233. I didn't dig up Canadian or UK sources, but they're out there. And I'm sure that there are places in the UK that aren't run by turfs, because that's the other thing we have to deal with. <laughs> so first of all, Louise Fletcher died. It was uh, <laughs> incredible timing. I feel like we made this happen, but also I thought she was 10 years younger than she actually was because I'm very bad at maths and understanding the passage of time. So I thought she was in her 70s, and so I really wasn't prepared for this. And I'm really sad because- Yeah. I'm really sad because I thought that it would still be viable to see her at a con and tell her how great her work was. I find myself very awkward
0: at cons and I don't think I would be able to have that conversation mm. but I do understand the the desire to and celebrity deaths are really hard because you don't know the person not even just like you don't know them intimately you don't mm. really know them at all it's an entirely a parasocial relationship and yet it feels like you know them yes it's this really weird grieving process and I'm sure that everybody who within the Star Trek fandom can understand that right now.
1: Yeah. I I am sadder about Louise Fletcher than I was about the Queen.
0: Shouldn't laugh. I'm so sorry. No, I don't want to laugh at anyone dying. (laughs) I have a really difficult time with death. I think that Louise Fletcher, again, was 88. Mm. She lived a very full life. She had a a good career all the way you know into into her later years and will be remembered she achieved greatness in her career because she won an oscar so she achieved that recognition even you know awards are dumb but she achieves that and so it's like a level of recognition within your fields that i think Mm. we should acknowledge yes and From what I understand, she seems to have really enjoyed being in Deep Space Nine, that it was a departure for her and it was strange and wonderful. And I think that that's something to celebrate. You know, I'm not going to celebrate someone's death, but I think that if you get into your 80s, you did well. I don't think there were any big red flags in her personal life, so she's doing better than a lot of
1: people. (laughs) I think (laughs) for a cancer survivor to live into her 80s and to die with her family around her, I think that's a really good end to a long and satisfying life.
0: I think we should celebrate it and yes. I have no feelings about the Queen whatsoever.
1: I'm an American! <laughs> I made a meme mocking the Heinz tribute to the Queen for our Instagram dedicated to kai win and i was like commonwealth twitter has been really really weird so i'm just going to hold off until after it's all over and then i'm going to post it and we had just finished the national period of mourning because we had a national period of mourning and then the next day louise fletcher passed away and i was like i'm going to sit on this just a little bit longer just out of taste and respect But it was great to have a lot of people talking about Kai Winn and about Louise Fletcher's performance, but there were so many bad mm-hmm. takes, Annika. So many bad takes. Having just watched
0: the end... Oh, my God. ...where literally her final move is to try to help Cisco. Yes. <laughs> that, that is what she dies doing. Yeah. And people still consider heard the worst villain in Star Trek and I'm just gonna put it right out there they are wrong objectively wrong
1: I'm going to particularly call out Larry Nemechek because he's not just your everyday fan he's not just a guy like us on Twitter he has been involved in the production side of Star Trek he wrote the encyclopedias he does a lot of podcasting He tweeted, "Perhaps the best villain ever for Star Trek or Deep Space Nine. Perhaps she and Gul Dukat deserved each other. At least." I'm like, Larry, mate, that's a funny way of saying he raped and murdered her. Gul Dukat does not get a pass
0: (laughs) (laughs) at all. Gul Dukat is the worst, the worst of the worst. I, I I have very strong feelings about Deep Space Nine season seven it's bad it's terrible I hate, it. I hate the entirety and i say that as someone whose favorite character in two space nine is Ezri, who is only in season seven
1: but like, yet setting aside all the nonsense with win that we're about to get into and the ending for cisco there is a whole arc where Worf and dax are prisoners of war and they're missing and no one on the station notices. Cisco marries Cassidy and he doesn't notice that his oldest and best friend is not there. I have a hot take. I think Star Trek should end after season 5. <laughs> That's a hot
0: take. Discovery season 5 is uh, <laughs> coming
1: i know, up. I know, and I'm going to regret it if it ends. But I really think, you know, generally they peak with season four and five, and then it's a Mm -hmm. slow decline. Season seven of TNG was pretty mediocre, and I did not even finish watching season seven of Voyager. I had Endgame sent to me on VHS, watched that, didn't bother renting the VHSs for the rest of the season. Well, I'm
0: the opposite. I've seen all the other episodes of Voyager season seven, but I have never seen
1: Endgame. Put it this way, I liked Endgame, I defended it at the time, but it certainly didn't inspire me to want to spend more time with the characters. And Season 7 of Deep Space Nine is just actively bad in many, many respects. I think five seasons is a sweet spot.
0: Especially when there's this many episodes. Yeah. In TNG Voyager and Deep Space Nine there are good episodes in both Season 6 and Season 7. Yes. They exist. Yes. <laughs> there, there are good episodes, solid episodes. Season seven of TNG, while I agree with your take as mediocre, that's an apt description. I actually have a lot of affection for things that happen in season seven of TNG. Yes. Yeah, Whereas Deep Space Nine, it just feels like everyone is acting completely out of character. Yeah for plot reasons, and I am the type of person who prefers the plot to not make sense and the characters to make sense. And so it's not for me. None of it is for me except Esri. Mm. And she gets dragged into terrible plot
1: lines. The thing is, like even the plots are not good enough to justify what's happening to the characters. So it's just a frustrating exercise all around. How does Damar get the best arc? Why? Because focusing on Garrick too much would mean maybe confronting the fact that he is not heterosexual. I just... Yeah.
0: But yes, let's go to the actual topic at hand.
1: Yes. So, Wynne's arc begins with Till Death Do Us Part, and then she's in a handful of episodes up until... The finale and what I did was I didn't want, want to watch the whole episodes so I would sit on the train and I would fire up Netflix and I would just only watch the scenes with Win, and even that was an incredibly frustrating way to watch season 7 but at least it was over quickly. Let's talk mm-hmm. about how awful as a concept the PAR rates are.
0: I have a lot of issues
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> with
0: the PAR as a as a concept. You call it intensely Christianist and I think that is very true. Everything that happens with the Pa race, the way that the Bajorans talk about the Pa race mm. is suddenly they have transformed into a different religion. And religion is baked into Deep Space Nine. Mm. It, just, it just is. From the very first episode, you know as much as they like to have this argument of religion versus science that we've discussed in our previous one episodes religion has a voice in deep space nine that maybe it doesn't in some of the other Mm. star treks and the fact that they just decided that in order to complete that arc the way to do it was to create demons Mm. it's just it's lazy (laughs) It's very
1: lazy it feels very much like that thing where your white western atheist thinks that all religions are christianity and specifically a mishmash of conservative catholicism and american evangelicalism and it's, this is a really frustrating for me because when the bajorans were introduced in ensign row rick berman describes them as the Jews in the 1940s, the Palestinians or the Haitians now. And I'm going to say something nice about Rick Berman. So just make sure you're sitting down. It just seems remarkable to me that here is a Jewish man calling out the treatment of the Palestinians by Israel. That doesn't seem like something that would happen now. Mm -hmm. And the thing about the Jews, the Palestinians, the Haitians is that two thirds of those groups are not Christian and the haitians are predominantly catholic but they also have their own haitian hoodoo which is a sort of syncretic african religion so why do the bajorans have jesus
0: and also not to put too fine a point on it but those atheists don't consider catholic christianity either
1: right right
0: so even the catholic haitians
1: don't count as you said it's so lazy to depict the Bajorans crazy. this way. And I also think, you know, the Bajorans clearly aren't completely a match for the Jews. They have an intensely hierarchical religion, like Catholics. They have a Pope figure. But there's a lot more to it than that. You know, their Pope has to campaign openly. That is so much more interesting and original. And then they just go and go, oh yeah, no, they have, they have demons. They have an Antichrist. They have a Satan. Right, and they're coming to get
0: you. And they're, yeah. they're going to take away Cisco. All of it seems very... We're going to tie the plot up in a little demon bow. <laughs> and that feels like a slap in the face to anybody who was watching Deep Space Nine for the faith aspect. Yes. Because it's saying, hey, did you know that your prophets are... Uh, they're not all powerful, they're not all good, and they're not even good, kind aliens. They're also this evil version, and mm. they're cartoon evil.
1: <laughs> That's a phrase I'm going to use so much over the next hour or so. I
0: get very tired, and it, it comes up most especially in Strange Bedfellows. Yeah. When when and Kira have their conversation about redemption... Yes, And the thing is that redemption in Christianity and redemption in the Jewish faith are very different. Yes. And Kira seems to believe in atonement and the the Jewish version Mm -hmm. of redemption and win is full force for (laughs) if I just do what I want and apologize for it, that's good enough, which is... (laughs) the Catholic version of of Redemption. Kira is a Jewish
1: Bajoran and Wynne is a Catholic Bajoran.
0: Right. And so the fact that one is for the prophets and one is for the Pah Wraiths, but Kira is also not actually like the representative of the prophets because that's still Cisco. And Mm. it's like, there's so much weirdness going on there. It's really hard to create a religion. So, you know, I understand why they're using the hallmarks of ones that we know, but it also just gets really messy, and I don't know what they're trying to say.
1: Our listener, Matt Frost, had a really wonderful thread after our first Win episode. He deals with theology, I think he's a theology student, and he said, we think of DS9 as the pro-religion Star Trek, but Win is the only person whose experience of faith is similar to that of regular people here on Earth. And she is depicted as wrong and a hypocrite. And Mm -hmm. that's really troubling. And it's so sad for her as a character and sad for us as an audience. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that only people of faith should write about or depict religion. But Star Trek does have a problem where all of its depictions of religion are written by Hollywood atheists. And so they never, ever quite feel right. Even when they're trying to be respectful, it comes off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's so funny because I watched the Voyager episode, The Omega Directive, which is in part about how the Borg perceived the Omega Molecule as God. And I'm like, mm-hmm. Why do the Borg need a religion? Voyager needs more atheism. And Deep Space Nine needs less. <laughs> Because Voyager is full of these characters who are hashtag spiritual but not religious. Yes, oh my goodness.
0: It drives me crazy Mm. because Janeway, 50% of the time, (laughs) is a full science
1: Mm. atheist
0: and 50% of the time is i I'm going to tell you about faith, Mm. spiritualist.
1: I like the idea that she is both one and the other at different Mm. times. But it's like, come on, guys. I would, I would like the idea that
0: she's both, if that was intentional. It comes across as they forgot they wrote her one way.
1: I mean, if we wanted Voyager's writing to be intentional, that is just the beginning of a long list of things that I'd fix. Speaking of writing that's intentional, <laughs> why <laughs> is Win
0: Adami's entire arc mm. in this season is nonsensical with everything that came before it right right and
1: people don't seem to realize that people are like oh she just turned to the parades as soon as she could but she was grudgingly loyal to Cisco for years and had reached an accord with him and then the parades they turn up as the prophets and then Ducat arrives in his mammal sonar it is spiritual abuse and it is rape and I don't think the writers realize any of that. They definitely did not.
0: They saw it as appropriate mm-hmm. to the villainous characters that they had created. And I mean, obviously, again, I'm a Dami apologist, but she deserves so much better yes. than, again, Literally everything that happens, and from every single person in the narrative, in addition to the writers. Right. No one, other than Kira briefly. Yes. And I forgive, like, Kira is correct, so I actually have no problem with Kira's relationship with Wynn and how she sort of gives up. Like, we watch her give up (laughs) on Wynn and Dami at a certain point. Her face just changes, and she's like, I tried,
1: (laughs) I'm done. Let's talk about strange bedfellows and our listener and one-time guest Tim tweeted in response to our second episode that what struck him is that Wynne is intensely lonely and I read that and I was like oh no, her best friend is Kira and Kira does not know that. <laughs> so true. Everyone on Bajor is
0: her servant so she doesn't have any friends there. She tries to have a relationship with Cisco, but it's too fraught because yeah. he's an alien. They don't have a shared background, so they can't like meet each other as anything resembling equals. At least with Kira, <laughs> they do have that shared background. They do have a shared culture. And Wynn clearly wants Kira to like
1: and respect her, and she's sort of upset that she doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> and by this point, by season seven, there's this wonderful honesty in their relationship where they're like you don't like me and I don't like you, but I respect you intensely and you don't respect me at all. What can I do to change that? Yes. An actual line that Win has is, I have often sensed that you don't approve of how I conduct myself as Kai. And Kira just looks at her like, what gave it away? I'm not a subtle person. Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you don't have to often sense it. It is not subtext. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is blatant. Yeah. But she, again, exactly as she did in the episodes that we watched for the second episode, Kira gives her the benefit of the doubt and says, hey, if you're, if you're going to come to our side and give up power and do better, then that's what I want for you. That is all I've ever wanted. I don't want to see you punished. I don't want to see any Bajoran punished. I want all of Bajor... To get to be truly free to make their own choices, and that means you not lording over them <laughs> and I just like there again, like I said last week, there is a version of this story where then they start working together, and Winadami actually has that atonement arc that Kira offers her, and i I do understand why they don't go that way in terms of again the plot but they have to literally turn kai win into a different person in order for the actual story to progress the way that they write it
1: it's so hard watching this sequence of episodes having done a close watch of all of the win episodes very recently because up until now her character has been incredibly consistent and now it's like, you know what Flanderization is, where a sitcom character basically becomes the most extreme version of themselves. That's sort of what happened to Win in that they get to a point where she's no longer Cisco's enemy, she's his ally, and then they have no idea what to do with her in that role. So they revert her not just to a villainous role, but the most cartoonish version of herself that's just completely inconsistent with everything she's done in the past.
0: Right, because we discussed, again, that when she was introduced, she had two character traits, annoying and ambitious. Yes. And then she got more nuance and Mm. she became more of a character and she did have that transformation where she realized that Cisco could be an ally, could be someone that she could work towards instead of against. Mm. And, right, they chose to go a different direction and reverted back to annoying and ambitious, but they completely erased all of her character growth to that point. But then they also, like, made her the worst version of annoying and ambitious. Yes. Where and. Am- Vision became the only thing that she cared about, and she no longer cared about her devotion to the prophets, which was her
1: entire (laughs) personality. Right! And she makes choices along the way, like she chooses at every point to keep going, but she is manipulated at her very core into making those choices. When she realizes that it's the Parwraiths who have been sending her these visions, she goes straight to the Prophets to beg forgiveness and the Prophets give her the silent treatment, as they have all along. And the thing is, we've seen how powerful the Prophets are, that they can manipulate events as far away as Earth. The Prophets let all of this happen. The Prophets chose this. And to what end?
0: No, I know, I know. <laughs> nothing that happens is worth any of it that's that's where i come to
1: the first time i watched this season and this time going through the wind scenes right up until the very last minute i was expecting the twist that she has gone along with this all along to destroy ducat and the parades because nothing else makes sense to me actually i do have another theory and i think it's more likely But I kept waiting for the twist that she was deceiving Ducat. So I honestly think we should publish our extensive (laughs) notes for this
0: one because they're great. But as I was reading your extensive notes and adding my own into it, there was this one where I'm just going to read it. (laughs) You could also say it's her black and white conservative worldview, that if she can't serve God, then she must be serving Satan. If she can't convince herself she's a hero, then bri the prophets, she'll be a villain. And I followed up with Liz, (laughs) are you saying that Kai Wynn is
1: Darth Vader? Okay, actually I was thinking of the bit in Shadow and Bone where the Darkling goes, okay, so I've murdered a bunch of people and almost destroyed the world, but you are the one deciding that I am the villain. Fine, I will be the villain, but you've put me in this position. It's your fault. But what were you going to say? Well, just that,
0: and then from that point, and I i read your notes for Till Death Was Part and Strange Bedfellows before I watched those two episodes. Mm. And so I was watching it with the lens, <laughs> the, mm. the rose-colored glasses of Darth Vader. And Whom you love. And it's totally there. It is an accurate portrayal of what happens mm. or an accurate description of the portrayal, because you're right that Dukat is manipulating her. The prophets and the paraths are manipulating her. And so you could put that all on as saying, you got a Palpatine, you've got a light side, and you've got a dark side, and they're all screwing <laughs> with Kai mm. exactly the way that they all screw with Anakin Skywalker. And in exactly the same way, she makes all the wrong choices... But she is not the only one in the story. Yes, and that's why she is a more sympathetic person than Gold or the prophets and the piraterates.
1: <laughs> I just cannot get over the whole thing where fandom treats Winn Dukat as this like joke, you know, Lol, the Pope was sleeping with Hitler. And it's like, Do you not see that this is rape? I understand that in the 1990s, the idea that this was a non-consensual relationship was probably a bit beyond people, but it's 2022 and people are still talking about it like it's just a normal relationship between two bad people, two equally bad people.
0: This is when I'm going to bring up my prop.
1: Oh. (laughs) Which is... The
0: healthy relationship quiz Mm. from loveisrespect.org. So I I just, you know, I took this little, this little test. It's 26 questions, the person I'm with, and then, you know, the end of that sentence, and then yes or no. Very easy to explain. And it has, you know, different things, like encourages me to try new things. Ducat totally does that.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That's a thing that happens. Is not very well liked by my friends. (laughs) True. accurate yes that's a yes for that one yep tries to control what i do and who i see mm-hmm. 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 you know and so i took this quiz yes and for the first half or so you get like one point for a yes or a no and then in the, the ends once you get a, a five or so and then if you get five points if you score five or more points you are definitely seeing warning signs and may be in an abusive relationship. Would you like to guess how many points Twenty got? She got for... twenty six points. Remember that some of these are worth five. Oh, so she got forty three points. Forty three. <laughs> <laughs> Great. And, that, and I was nice and didn't answer them all in a way that was, you know, the obvious abusive relationship. Some of these things he didn't do, so okay. Yeah, yeah. But it is clearly not a healthy relationship in any way. He knows exactly what he's doing. He is not in it for her at all. Again, she dies trying to help Cisco and he makes fun of that immediately. Yeah. He makes fun of her name. And the way that she gave it to him, thinking that it was an intimate relationship between equals who were, you know, soulmates. Yeah. It is horrific, everything that happens. And it is very clear. There is no ambiguity <laughs> as to, and you even said, you know, why does she, why does she kiss him? after she makes it very clear and and that I agree with you that it was because the writer's room was full of a bunch of men who didn't understand Mm -hmm. but I also think that it is also an obvious I am trying to get control of this relationship and of of this situation because then they drink the toast and and then she pours it out and it's like haha I got my one over on you so I think that she was trying to lull him into a false sense of security But the fact that she manipulates him back in a desperate attempt (laughs) to gain control of her own life does not mean that he is not the abuser in this relationship.
1: Right. And I did a lot of reading about Rape by Deception around Season 1 of Discovery for Cornwell Lorca reasons. And it's a relatively new concept. And so it actually comes up a lot in older Star Treks. Sisko does it to mirror Dax in what's basically his worst moment in the series. And it's like a thing in a lot of comedies and farce, you know, the bed trick and stuff. But this is so, so dark. And it's pretty dark when it's Cornwell and Lorca, but at least there it's only once and they don't see each other in person again after they part ways. By the time she finds out the truth, he's already dead. Mm-hmm. Wynne finds out who her lover is, not just that he's a Cardassian, but he is Gull Dukat, and then she has to keep on dealing with him. There's a scene in Strange Bedfellows that I really like where they're in bed, Wynne and Dukat, and she's like, tell me all about you. I want to know everything about the man I'm sharing my bed with. And there's a really strong parallel between the scene With Lorca and Cornwell, where they're talking about the Persades and he's deflecting. And it's frustrating to me, it's extremely frustrating to me that Wynne is held up by fandom and the writers as being the equal of these men in evil. Because I don't complain that Ducat does terrible things because he's a villain and he's a very well written villain. Although I do think that after Zial died, he kind of jumped the shark. But anyway villain does villainous things is not a problem to me it's that mark alimo thinks that he's playing a hero which is troubling and the writers and a lot of the fans don't appreciate the full depth of ducat's crimes particularly his sexual crimes against women because this character is a sexual predator who targets Mm -hmm. bajoran women whether they're Mm -hmm. his prisoners whether they're the people he is occupying and oppressing, or whether they're just the Bajoran officers who Mm -hmm. have the misfortune to deal with him professionally. He's a predator. There's
0: three Bajoran
1: women we know of. Right!
0: That that, that he straight up raped. raped. Yeah, And he was trying with Kira. I I mean, that's my rose-coloured glasses, but that's truth also. He wanted that Strange Bellfellows is also the episode that ends with Damar throwing off the... Uh, oh no, is, is it the next one where he throws off I the... didn't watch any scenes with that, <laughs> Wynne. I think it might be the next one where Damar becomes... But it's the same, like in this arc of you know, three or so episodes is Ducat tricking Win and bringing up the whole nonsense Padres thing. And meanwhile, Damar is having a terrible time <laughs> being leader of Cardassia and having no power whatsoever. And then he throws off the overlords and becomes a Cardassian folk hero Mm. to get all of the Cardassians to rise up with him and fight, switch sides and fight the Dominion. And one is seen as a hero (laughs) Mm. and that would be Damar. Damar gets a pass because he does all these terrible things but he gets a pass because he changes in the end. Whereas Wynne never is actually on the side of the Dominion, <laughs> or <laughs> working against the Federation in any way. She's like, never on their side. No. And yet, Damar's ending is considered to be a tragedy because he goes through a redemption arc and then dies anyway. And when Adami's ending is seen as justice.
1: Good riddance. Yeah. That's her comeuppance. And I just don't think it's fair. No, especially when we consider that Damar murdered Zial, who was not only a beloved character, but a civilian and a child. Innocent. Yeah. In every
0: way an innocent.
1: Yeah. A young adult at the beginning of her life. And I think maybe we're a little too forgiving for that. I don't want to agree with Dukat, but uh, I hold a grudge. And the thing is, like... Win stabs Solbor, and Memory Alpha says she deliberately murdered him. I think Memory Alpha is gaslighting me. That mm-hmm. scene was very badly shot, but it looked to me like an accident.
0: Right, because I'm me. I mm-hmm. allude again to Revenge of the Sith here, and I said, yeah, sure. She deliberately murders Solbar in the same way that Anakin deliberately murders Mace Windu. Which is, he doesn't.
1: Have you heard the tragedy <laughs> of Darth Parra, the wise? It's, her actions cause it to
0: happen. Yes. yes. Her choices cause it to happen. She is responsible. Mm. However, she did not intend to
1: murder him. Yeah. I actually have a similar problem with Revenge of the Sith that I do with Wynne's Ark in that Yes, Anakin makes bad choices, but it feels like he makes them mainly because George Lucas has remembered that he needs to become Darth Vader and, and doesn't quite know how to get there in an organic way. Again,
0: the parallels between Winnie Tommy and Anakin Skywalker are kind of terrifying. Because, as you said, when she realizes that it's the Parades, she immediately goes to their Prophets and mm. they do nothing. That is exactly what happens to Anakin Skywalker. He finds out that Palpatine, the person that he has trusted all along, that he looks up to as a father Mm. and is like his confessor and his, like he's sort of his priest. He's sort of his counselor and he's sort of his dad. And he finds out that that guy is the evil person that they have been looking for his entire life. Yeah. Yeah. And he immediately goes to the Jedi and they're like, Cool, you sit here and do nothing and mm-hmm. and and trust that everything's mm-hmm. gonna be okay. Mm-hmm. And he goes to Yoda with his problems with his bad dreams, and he's like, I'm having nightmares about actual literal death. I think there might be something wrong with me. And Yoda's like, That's natural. <laughs> death is natural, people die. You're just gonna have to accept that. Which is very similar to the prophet saying, like. Yeah, you were tricked by, like, a totally horrible person who was pretending to be us, but that's your problem. You don't have enough faith in the prophets, so you got to figure it out.
1: Okay, but the prophets didn't even say that much. They just sat there and They said nothing. The prophets <laughs> but, managed to be less helpful than Yoda. And I think these similarities are because this is... These are both stories told on an epic scale with a mixture of science fiction and what I'm going to loosely call destiny. And by people who
0: came up at the same time and were writing stories at the same time. Right!
1: In fact, the Star Trek guys were probably of the generation to have been children and young men, they were all men, when Star Wars came out. Everyone is swimming in the same pool. I assume Mm -hmm. this is Tolkien's fault in some way. It's just frustrating that in both cases, this story is so poorly told and with such disrespect to the characters as established. Anyway, Rip bore I think he was a bit slut-shamey, and I don't care for that. But he was the only
0: person who was trying to actually help Winadami in possibly all of Deep
1: Space Nine. <laughs> this is true, and he didn't even seem to like her.
0: He might have been the only person on her side ever.
1: This is the saddest
0: thing in the world. Then he did not like her at all. And then uh, his murder is what... Opens the book. That's definitely like a Tolkien thing.
1: That was the point <laughs> where I went, there is no scientific, scientific explanation for this. You have just gone okay. into pure fantasy territory and it actually kind of bugs me. <laughs> and so, and that's where I wrote my little note
0: because I just, I find it entertaining. I think the Paras took possession of Wanda because that <laughs> is the plot of <laughs> Multiverse of Madness blood sacrifice opens a book and then it Mm -hmm. takes you over
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. i'm gonna have a controversial opinion i think wanda as villainess in that movie made more sense than kai win as villain here wow
0: that uh, that is a very controversial take people hate that
1: wanda was made the
0: villain in that movie
1: I didn't love it, but I also saw it coming. Like, it made sense to Mm. me. Oh, I definitely saw it coming. It left her in a place where she can redeem herself. Then there's an episode that I just, like, what even is the point of anything that happens? Ducat looks at the book and it blinds him, which, lol, and Wynne sends him out to beg on the streets, which frankly raises a lot of questions about Bajor's economy right now. And I read on Memory Alpha that this was a plot device because they had literally run out of stuff for Win and Ducat to do until the finale.
0: Real real, real talk. Yeah, yeah. Write a different, write other people. (laughs) There are literally 500 characters in Deep Space Nine. Write a different story for someone else. They didn't need to be in this episode.
1: Right. We did not need to see them... All we needed was maybe a scene in each episode until the finale where they're going through the evil book. And can I just say that it really bugs me. And it's that Christianization thing again, that this book is so evil that merely looking at it or holding it will taint you. That is intensely evangelical. I mean, Catholics used to think that way. We kind of invented the list of banned books, but, you know. And there is an irony because if Kai Wynne were alive today, she would absolutely be calling for books to be banned from American libraries. But, you know, what can you do? What you leave behind. Let's talk about the finale.
0: Okay. (laughs) So, I mean, I've already said multiple times that a Wynne Adami in this episode is, I'm sorry, she's not even a villain. There is one point... Where she has poisoned Ducat, and she's like, "Take me, Pares." Oh. And even at that moment, I, you know, which is pretty villainous. Again, it, it sort of reminds me of Wanda, and it's like she is a victim mm. of everything that has already happened. That she thinks this is the only thing left for her. Yes, this is her option. Her option is take me, Pares she's offering herself up in a vaguely sexual way yes it is really disturbing on multiple levels but every other scene other than that one it's not even a full scene because it's like a little bit that's after another scene and before others that is the only moment where she is doing something that
1: i have less sympathy for (laughs) it's just so cartoonish that my brain simply rejects it and i asked myself you know is it simply that i am a win partisan and i have paid close attention to her over the last few weeks and i don't like this ending is that the only reason that it seems bad to me but no i think it's actually bad i think that there were ways to put win in this position without making her so cartoonish you talked about how giving herself to the race felt sexual. Remember back in our first episode where we talked about Wynne's sexuality and how she had a lover and that was kind of cool? Yes. Mm-hmm. I feel like season seven takes the same imagery, you know, the white robe, the long hair, and they use it to degrade her sex with a man that she wouldn't consent to if she knew who he really was. You know, she talks about feeling like a young girl waiting for her lover, and I think we're meant to think that that's a bit grotesque because she's an older woman. This whole arc feels like it's putting her in her place. Again, she's actually
0: beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like, stunningly beautiful. I don't know how old she was. 60s? Yeah, like mid-60s by now. And gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Like, in her Kai outfit, she looks her age, and there's no attractiveness. It's regal, but not attractive. But she is attractive. Like, sorry, she is. She has the soft hair, and that, like, she's a conventionally
1: attractive. I think we're meant to find her sensuality repellent. I don't, but... Sorry, I do not. Mm. I find everything about Goldukat repellent. <laughs> okay, this is a very shameful confession, but I actually find Bajoran Dukat quite attractive to look at. I don't know why, because no. he does not have an appealing face, his skin is terrible, he looks like a weasel, and yet a small part of me is like, hmm, yes, if he wasn't an evil serial rapist cult leader. <laughs>
0: Nope, you're (laughs) you're alone in that box. That's okay.
1: (laughs) That's okay. I am. I am not on that side. (laughs) (laughs) Look, I deserve to be shunned for this. I understand. I will retreat to my corner. (laughs) And
0: she looks innocent. Like she looks innocent. She's like purposefully costumed to be Mm -hmm. innocent her music is practically out of romeo and juliet yeah and yet the story wants us to believe that she is horrible and i i don't like someone didn't get the memo the lighting people (laughs) the makeup people the costume people Mm. louise fletcher herself and the music, the the composers, none of them got the memo that she's supposed to be a horrible, irredeemable villain that we hate, because that is not what happens. So I sit here and I'm going like, did the writers know what they were doing? They have all these scenes when the prophet won't talk to her, and when she finds out that Dukat is who he is, she's like sobbing. Yeah. She is, so upset all the time in these episodes so it really feels like the writers were writing her that like that this that she's a victim and that this is a horror story and that everything that's happened to her is bad but then you read what they say about it and that's not what they were going for
1: right what i see on screen is a tragic figure that we're meant to empathize with and then what the writers say is I wish that
0: I had like a diary from when it was being written and and filmed Mm -hmm. versus what they say 10 years later, because I think that the audience reaction has gaslit the writers (laughs) into agreeing with all of this stuff that happens because it is not on the screen.
1: No. And as you pointed out, a lot of this storyline was done again by Ronald D. Moore in Battlestar Galactica. We were talking about that the other day and how he tends to reuse his Star Trek plotlines, but with more rape. So obviously something- look, I am a Ronald D. Moore skeptic, I don't apologize for it. It's awkward because For All Mankind is amazing.
0: I love Battlestar Galactica. But it definitely, like you definitely see the. this is what he wanted to do with Deep Space Nine and couldn't because mm. of the company. Likewise, Voyager.
1: Equinox is basically, yes. you told me, and I forgot what Equinox is. Pegasus. Became. Pegasus. Yes. <laughs> yes. My uh, least favorite episode of Final Star Galactica. <laughs> Indeed.
0: So there are interesting ideas mm. in these stories in Voyager in Deep Space Nine, in Battlestar Galactica and I'm fine with him redoing them and teasing out the different ways that this could go I like that even yeah but I do not like that the audience doesn't like Adami and does like number six <laughs> is it because she's
1: pretty yes I mean- <laughs> Trisha Helfer is a supermodel, she's tall, she's thin, she's conventionally attractive, and Louise Fletcher was a short, plump woman on the wrong side of 50. But I, you, you say that, and I'm like, but but beautiful. Like I, I, don't, I
0: can't. Look, I cannot accept that she's not beautiful.
1: Look, as a short, plump woman who is over 40, I completely agree. I don't understand how you can look at... Louise Fletcher and not think she's magnificent but apparently people did can I say, if I had been writing this arc, I would have made it a lot clearer that Wynne is incapable of letting go of power because of the trauma of the occupation mm. and that there was more to the renewal of Bajor or whatever nonsense the Parraiths promised than merely wiping out everyone who disagreed with her, because that that part didn't work for me. She has given so much for Bajor and supported people like Kira and Sisko even when she disagreed with them because that was for the good of Bajor. Why is she calling for this rapture? Right, I agree.
0: I think that if there were any- it, it's like it would take one scene, right? this scene instead of the blind Ducat scene. Mm. where. She has maybe a vision or something, she has a connection and understands that the Prophets are weak the way that Cisco is weak, like, mm. like build on her prejudices.
1: Yes, the Parades will protect Bajor, the Parades will save Bajorans. If we stick with the prophets, we're just going to be
0: retaken by the Cardassians, we're going to be mm. overtaken by the Dominion, we're going to be subsumed by the Federation. But if you stick with the Pareis, then Bejor is its own, you know, Bejor can be the empire. Yes. And I can fully believe when, you know, being tempted by that and moving forward with it and saying, yes, that's actually what we need. The Prophets have abandoned us for humans, Mm. that's no good. Let's stick with the pirates who believe in Bajoran supremacy.
1: Right, all of that. And then I would have her betray Ducat at the end. I simply wouldn't let her die. And then in the final scenes her punishment is given by Kira and it's simply that she's stripped of all her power And she is sent to humbly serve somewhere where she can do good and she can't do harm because no one is ever going to trust her again. No one is is ever going to give her power, but she has her life and she has work and she has an opportunity to become a better person, as Kira suggested way back then. That's the atonement. Yes! Yes.
0: That's what it is. You are given the opportunity to make up for
1: your sins. Right. It's good works as well as faith. That is how I would have ended it, but how I actually explain what happens on screen is that the Paraths and the Prophets are actually the same people and this is all a scam that they've been doing for years and this whole thing they've been controlling like low-key possessing win and probably a bunch of other people all as a part of their grand plot to murder and kidnap Cisco in that order to make Jake suffer. Seriously, what do the prophets have against
0: Jake Cisco?
1: (laughs) Do they know in the future he's going to write a book, a tell-all book about how awful they are? Again, I really want a post-Deep
0: Space Nine, Jake Sisko story about what it is that Jake Sisko does that scared the prophets so much. Torture mm-hmm. this young man by taking his father away. That they had to torture him. Again, I, I don't like how Deep
1: Space Nine ends for anyone. No. I've got it. Jake is going to write <laughs> but... the revisionist history of Kai Wynn's life. Kira will be a major source, but also really mad about it.
0: I I mean, Jake Sisko just writing everything that happens Mm -hmm. in Deep Space Nine might be enough.
1: (laughs) To get him on... (laughs) <laughs> the the Pirates' Bad List. Mm, there's this quote that I've been sitting on for weeks from Ira Bear. It's not really a quote; it comes secondhand. It's from the Star Trek Deep Space Nine companion. It likewise made sense for Ira Bear for Win to be killed specifically by Ducat. This was because the pair had had sex, and according to a horror movie cliche, characters who have sex end up dead afterwards. So someone seems scream a few too many times. Yes. And
0: so, Deep Space Nine is a horror movie. I mean, the end is a horror movie, yes. <laughs> like, I just want to say he's admitting, he's mm-hmm. admitting my instincts are
1: correct. Mm-hmm. Deep Space Nine is a horror movie. Okay. I just don't understand how you get from they had sex to, and therefore she should be murdered by her partner. The intimate partner violence of it all, Annika. Why?
0: this is the worst of all worlds Mm -hmm. and the fact that they justify it by saying it's a horror movie cliche and that that somehow has any bearing on reality Mm -hmm. or fiction Mm -hmm. is it's like you wrote it yeah you can't scapegoat horror movies that's not even your genre what you wrote (laughs) you wrote it, you have to take responsibility
1: for that in conclusion I just want to wrap up by saying no one, no matter how villainous, no matter what they do in life, no one deserves to be raped and murdered I shouldn't have to say that but apparently I do Thank you for listening to Antimatterpod. You can find our show notes, including the full show notes for this episode, at antimatterpod.com, including links to our social media, credits for our theme music, and transcripts of our episodes. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, and Instagram, all at antimatterpod, and write to us at mail at antimatterpod.com. If you like us leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you consume your podcasts the more reviews the easier it is for new listeners to find us and join us in two weeks when we'll be discussing hopefully the much lighter and happier topic of children in Star Trek no rape wait (laughs) I just thought of some rape yes so if we don't watch Charlie X and I was going to watch Miri. Look, we can minimize the rape. Anyway,
0: <laughs> Star Trek is so wholesome, it's great.